Okay, right, let's get the notion up and running. So that means um, just, you're, just, wor just you're working, are you? You're recording. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm recording. And I am got the, and, re recording. And the metronome didn't go off. <laughs> no, I turned it off. I'm getting quite pro at it, actually. Um, so what I, what I want to sh quickly show you before we start, if you can let me... Whoa, what's happened to your security? It's disappeared. I, I already pressed it in advance. <laughs> I turned it off. Oh, okay. Like I thought you um, might want it. Right. Can you see this? Oh, hang on, I've got to go to my view options. Otherwise, I see like a little window. Oh, my word. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at this. This actually works as well. Oh, look at that. Oh, no. Oh, I thought it... Can you see the way? Are you scrolling in that? Can you see that's working in there? No. Wow. That is nice. Can you see this? Yeah. So this is called Playgroup, right? Modern forum software made for engaging online communities. Okay. okay so you have like activity, you have members, you, you've, you, you've got these channels. I mean, look at this, the way he's built it. Hmm, um, nice. It's by, if I, if I open up my um, thing here, I think we should just get this into the recording. Um, so this, uh, the guy who's making it is a guy called um, Ben, uh, at Digital Trouble on the internet. Um, so he, he was chatting to me this morning because I'd seen it and I thought, wow, this looks amazing. Um, and you know, when we were talking about community, one of the questions I have at the minute is, you know, Slack, the problem I have with Slack, right. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this is that, you know, within a short period of time, you you hit the 10,000 message limit and, and then everything disappears. And, and so if anyone hasn't used Slack in, you know, a Slack with a lot of people in it, you're very quickly going to hit the 10,000 word limit and uh, message limit. And what's going to happen there is you're going to have all of your channels are all going to have loads of messages in them, but then you're going to go and think, Oh, I must go and find that, that note I sent to Adam. And then you'll open up your direct messages to Adam and it will say, sorry, these messages are all locked up now. They're hidden away in our servers. And for you to pay for them, you'll have to pay $8 per member per month. And for, what the fuck? I mean, you're screwed basically. Yeah. So it's just a nightmare. Uh, what I need to do is I need to put my headphones on actually because I just realized I forgot to do that. And I also need to change my audio. Holy shit, what am I doing? Um, stop share, stop share. Hang on, better do that. Why am I coming out of your speakers again? Select the speaker, um, Scarlet 2. Right, talk to me now. Talk to me now. Yeah, can, can you hear me? me? Okay. <laughs> it just means that it was coming out of the speakers there. Oh, yeah, get a bit of a thing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. We're professionals. We are professionals. Exactly. Anyway, I was, I was talking to this guy, and he was um, that he's building this thing, and I thought this would be amazing because it's like reimagining forums, but in a mm -hmm. much more kind of contemporary way. And for me, you know, our theme that we discussed for the week is communities. Yeah. Uh, you know, and building communities. I think it's really interesting. And I just thought, well, here's here's a nice example of someone who's trying to build something community-wise. Yeah, anyway, I mean... Not, do we yes. need to do the introduction or... Yeah, do it. Do we need to do the intro? <laughs> You're doing the thing where you go... You oh, cool. Because really? the internet's not working yeah okay uneducators welcome to uneducators i am paying a voice actor to do a professional introduction and until that happens you're just gonna have to make do with me uneducators is a podcast about the intersection of design technology and business and right in the middle in the sweet spot education 
Together, Messrs Murphy and Proctor explore the world of teaching, past and present, public and private, profitable and profitable. Mr Murphy, you can call him Chris, founder of the School of Design. Mr Proctor, call him Lord Proctor of Nognog. Uh, don't call him anything else, just call him that, Lord Proctor of Nognog. That's what he likes to be known as. Um, he is at Winchester School of Art. He's also on a never-ending story as PhD. So anyhow, now that you've got a bit of background on us, let's get down to business. Let's hear these highly educated fellows ramble. Every week, Adam forgets to ring the bell. It's in the right place. Or it's right. About education, technology, design, <laughs> and business. Motherfucker. I moved it right week, though. It's Adam, right here. Every week. I'm just listening to you. So then I'm, I'm focused <laughs> and I forget that I've got to do something. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. So um, for, the, for the listeners, we decided that the theme for the week would be community. And this is Adam's theme. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah because I think we, I'm hearing Anything like... you want to say, Adam? Well, yeah, I'm hearing lots of people uh, at work and other places who are really worried about how do you manage a community of practitioners, in our instance, students who are learning to be professional practitioners. How do you manage that community when a lot of that time is going to be spent online and is, are there any tips and tricks uh, to sort of continue to build that? Because I think like you uh, yourself um, at Winchester School of Art, the campus, the community on campus is, is so important and that, that crossover and the vitality that just happens in the corridors, in the studios, you know, bumping into different yeah. students from different programs, particularly when you've got a whole art school doing different things. Uh, adds to the, mm. enhances the community. So students are doing things outside of maybe their own program areas, but also just because we've got our own studio spaces, the uh, opportunity for shared experiences in those studios is is a default. You know, so so that's how we yeah. build the community. So I think our, lots of art and design tutors are, are worried about how do we instill that from the get go when the time on campus is going to be very limited and probably related more to uh, independent study potentially, you know, and coming in for particular resources or very particular things rather than it just being a hap you know happening space. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. Yeah, do, you, do you think that you will be able to get your students in at Winchester School of Art? The current will they be allowed into the building? The current plan is that the students will have uh, allocated a certain day a week, depending on their year, maybe up to a day and a half. Okay. Uh, we might have to do some bubbling uh, of groups. Uh, there's a cleaning regime that's going to be in place, so there has to be an hour sort of clean between different groups changing. Uh, so the campus has been zoned with to try and minimise that. So that's the that's the current plan. Who's doing the Who's doing the cleaning? Well, it would be the cleaning staff. They're going to be getting extra cleaners in or just booking them in for extra slots, okay. you know. So it's going to be a lot wow. of work, you know, for sure. Yeah, I had I had heard recently, I can't remember who it was from, but from a friend who works in a school, um, like a primary school, and they were saying that they'd used up their entire year's budget on cleaning already. Um, yeah. Because they, they were having to host the kids who are uh, have parents who are key workers. Um, so they're either... In working in the hospital or working in supermarkets or work at the front line basically and this particular school primary school had already used up its budget for the year 
and this particular person I was talking to, and I was kind of trying to be careful not to mention names. I've become a lot better at that now. Uh, the older I've got, I used to just say these people's names before. Um, you know, they were really concerned because they were, you know, the government is saying we have to clean everything. We've got to disinfect. We've got to deep clean. We've got to do all this stuff. But as, as per usual with these things, there's no money for it. Yeah, I mean, we've got things like the library um, are working. I mean, obviously, there's going to, you know, there are people who are factoring in the costs versus the, the logistics versus what we need students to be able to do. Um, the yeah. I think the library have got, they're working on loads of stuff. But again, it's like if people touch books, for example, there's supposed to be like a 72 hour period between those items. Uh, and so they're looking at, you know, can, can we have gloves and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so if you're handling like an artist book, for example, then another student can't touch it for 72 hours. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, yeah. So if somebody reads a book, like let's say I went in to bring, to read this book, how to talk about books you haven't read. Really good book by yeah, Pierre B. It's got a glossy cover. So add that's, to the show, uh, that, that's... Add, add to the show notes, that one. Um, it's, it is honestly a really, really good book. But ironically, <laughs> you have to read it in order to talk about how to read. To, oh, it's so confusing. Um, but anyway, if I was reading this book in the library and I didn't want to take it home and I put it back on the shelf, well, how are they going to know that somebody read that book? Well, they're going to be having monitoring. You know, it's all going to be... So if someone comes in and handles stuff, that will then be put on a special shelf, which is these have been handled, you know, or something. I mean, I'm not in charge of the library, but I know that they're, they're trying to figure this out right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I know that... I know, but like, I've spent a lot of time in... Yeah, I've spent a lot of time in libraries in my time. It was probably the room I was in the most at Glasgow School of Art when I was a student. Um, and the problem with that is that anyone who goes to libraries, which actually are probably fewer people than when we were students, um, because, I mean, I remember saying to my students maybe five or six years ago, does anybody know where the library is? And, you know, even though we'd had library inductions and things like that, students were, well, no, you know. Um, and to be fair to the students, it was a time in which the campus was being rebuilt and buildings, yeah, bits were moving. Um, and so I took them all down to the library um, and showed them where it was. And one of the things of a library is you go in, you pick up a book, you flick through it. You yeah. think, no, that's not quite right. You put it back. You, you pick up another one. It's a little bit like going into a bookshop. Um, I, I mean, know. That's why that's, they might not even, that's why it might insane. be by appointment only. And, you know, you might, that, that serendipitous sort of browsing might not be allowed to happen for for the first semester or something you know so no so there are Have you yeah. seen yeah i should start making the show notes because like one of the problems with the show notes is that i am shit at it basically um so it, what i should try and do is keep the show notes as we go i don't really want to type while we do it because no, I that's the problem too much it. noise um i don't know i need to find some professional podcasters and find out how they do this maybe they pay other people to do the show notes for them um, but we want to have good show notes, but they've been shit up until now. But I must try harder, basically. I think it's probably a C minus for me on the show notes. Well, I think once we get into a rhythm, we can um, we can basically space it out. What we need to happen is we need you to listen to the show before it's out. So you separately write up the notes and then it comes out the following week. Yeah. So we need to do like a cat. We need to do like a double show one week and, and take get ahead of ourselves. Uh, so I think the way yeah. to do it. Or watch Primer. Have you seen Primer? No. It's a it's a movie, amazing movie by Shane Carruth about time travel. Um, oh well, I've got all the channels now, so I can guarantee it won't be on any of those channels that I pay for. 
yeah, I can. I guarantee you, it won't be on it either. Um, it's one of those films that when I used to have a master's film club, I used to say, right, this week we're going to watch Primo, and then I had to run around Belfast and go, shit, have you got Primo? And everyone would be like, what? And they never. Most of the films were really left field. And the only time I went to the shops thinking, you know, I'm definitely going to find this film was when we did our Christmas special and we watched Step Brothers. At one, probably one of our best ever. Have you seen it, Step no, Brothers? No, I don't think so. Oh, for goodness sake, Adam. <laughs> this is dreadful. Your, your knowledge of this popular culture is awful. I know. Step Brothers, I'm going to make this list of things for you. How's the um, Formula One, all that kind of stuff? How's the TV panning out for you? Yeah, good. I was watching Formula One Enjoying on one. It? Yeah, Formula One on one screen, football on another screen. I tried to watch anything else on the iPhone as well, just to get the value. So I'm watching like, <laughs> I don't even know some of these sports I don't even recognise. You so you're like a you're like a true millennial. You've got like multi-screen consumption going on. I have to. Um, it's not worth crazy. it otherwise. Yeah. I just I just wonder returning to the library thing I just wonder how yeah. does that work because you know I mean since we since we've been out of the lockdown I've been to Waterstones I think twice and I don't know if you saw this but towards the start of the lockdown there was somebody on Twitter who worked at Waterstones who was like oh my word that the stuff that they were tweeting was really brutal I'm pretty sure this person probably got the sack, but it was like, see if you ever fucking come into Waterstones right now and touch the fucking books and spit all over everything and fuck oh, you. Lord. And if you come in here, I'm going to spit in your face. And it was like full of vitriol. And this person was obviously highly stressed about working in Waterstones sure. where there wasn't much hand sanitizer and there was no plastic shielding or any of this kind of stuff but you know I mean, this person was really brutal about their opinion about people who came into Waterstones and I remember thinking god this is terrible I mean because um, my natural inclination was to go to Waterstones and buy a ton of books thinking well you know probably going to get a ton of reading done here so yeah, yeah. best go and stock up right um, and I didn't after that because I read the thing and thought oh god that's terrible because some of these people probably view some of these things as not really mission critical yeah. Um, and so the last time I was in Waterstones, we were a week or two back, I said to the lady as I came in the door, I said, can I just check? Are you happy for me to be here? And she looked at me like I was complete moral. Um, she was like, well, yeah, of course. Why? And I said, just because, you know, this twi Twitter thing and, you know, and she was like, yeah, no, no, absolutely. We're absolutely fine. And she said, maybe that was just the stress of the pandemic, etc. But anyway, I went around Waterstones. I was looking for anti-fragile. Um, do you know it? By yeah. Nassim Talib. Um, so I'll add that to the show notes. Anti-Fragile. I haven't read it yet, but I've brought it up to Donegal. And there was maybe one other book I was looking for as well. But like anyone who goes into a bookshop who's interested in books is going to pick up at least 30 books. Yeah. I do, that's why I think they're going to do like clicking. I think they're doing it. One of the libraries click and collect already. So I think it's going to be just very specific. And so if like... Um, if there's, I think Holy shit, so it's like Argos. Yeah, yeah, and I think they're going to do like some of the graphic design staff want to have like, um, if they want to show like particular issues of like old iMagazine, I think they're going to work out a way they can video, get it video of the close-ups of the layouts and stuff, you know. So yeah, they're trying to, you know, Whoa, so we can provide, no yeah, so it's just trying to provide as good as, I mean, I'll tell you what, we obviously at Winchester School of Art, we have a specialist library and it is amazing. And the amount of electronic resources like are unbelievable and they've been adding loads since the lockdown loads have come yeah. online that are temporary that lots of publishers have opened up but mm -hmm. i tell you what 
I tend to be looking for articles these days around sort of education and education technology. Yeah, yeah. I there's nothing I haven't found. I tell, it's unbelievable. I all I look on the library's search and it's like they've got it. You know, it's really rare they haven't got it. It's um, so. I have to admit it's been yeah. good and lots of it you can get electronically and I think they are working out how they move to more electro more electronic subscriptions. Uh, they're doing some scan digitizing stuff as well if you want them to. So I think a librarian will go in and you know digitize a, a portion of a text for you, but there are obviously restrictions on how much they can digitize. Um, Maybe they could just like go like this. Um, do you want to start reading Adam? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just about to see it. <laughs> for, the, for the listeners, for the listeners, I just held up the copy of How to Talk About Books You Haven't Read so that Adam could start reading it. Um, and he felt, just like Lynn trusted, that it was rich, meaty, and immensely enjoyable. Um, anyway, let's get back to the community because, you know, to me, a library would be, well, a library would be a place of community, obviously. Well, no, that's, see, that's but, the thing for me. The For me, that's where lots of proper, like, community stuff is happening. Like, the really great, really new newly designed campuses the library is sort of the focal point of that and the social sort of learning spaces tend to emanate out from the library now we don't have that set up currently but our library is, is busy and mm -hmm. i think students do appreciate it the ones that you know realize that what a resource it is they have access to during their time um so it's definitely i mean that's kind of where it starts isn't it i mean the other thing and then we'll get back onto like I virtual community the other thing that i like is i think winchester yeah. school of art library is the only library that haven't been told off for making noise in <laughs> i normally get told off eventually. really yeah. <laughs> yeah every library i go into they're like instantly um, Shh, I be think... quiet. <laughs> that's probably because you're bringing your ipad your phone and you're watching f1 and all the other sports right um i think the thing about the library and you know these real physical community spaces is that you know, they give people a place to gather and to have conversations. And the other thing for me about libraries, and, and I found this teaching at the School of Design and also with my students at Belfast School of Art as well, you know, the students who are keen and committed and who want to improve, um, I sit down, you know, I'll say, okay, what you need to go and read now is this, okay? And tell me when you've finished it and I'll give you another one. And the, the, the students who do who go on to excel are the ones who who kind of get over their, you know, antipathy towards books and actually sit down and start reading them and maybe then do a bit of writing and then develop conceptually, their thinking skills improve, their understanding of the world improves, their knowledge uh, and awareness improves. Um, and, you know, I don't, I just don't feel that digital is a replacement for, for a book. You know, I, I've got a copy here on my desk of, um, Armin Hoffman's um, graphic design manual, oh, yeah. principles book. and practice. Practice, you know. Yeah, I love really, really good book. Yeah, and you know, you need to you need to be able to hold that book in your hands in order to see it. I suppose you could you could argue that you know, like that spread there probably would translate to um, to digital because it's pretty much black and white. But there's just something about the physicality. Uh, by the way, I just love that spread there. Yeah, that's one of my uh, favourites as well. Where they, yeah, where they just take you know ten lines and you know various thicknesses, various positions on the on the x-axis, and yeah, it's like bonkers. Um, and anyone who's who who struggles, you know, with graphic design, I always say just go look at this, do some of this, 
And the problem is quite a lot of, of students and, and beginners that look at that and they think, oh, this is boring. When are we going to get onto the exciting stuff? And for me, I mean, I remember studying with Adrian Chaunasy last summer in the RCA. We were basically doing that. I was paying like two grand to do that. You know, um, there was plenty of people who were my age going back and paying quite a lot of money just to just to be forced to do 10 lines again. It was crazy, yeah, yeah. you know. I just wonder if there's this kind of um, schism between the real world, for want of a better word, um, shopping centers and the world of academia, uh, where in um, academia, you're going to have to put your book onto a shelf and then it's not going to be touched for three days or whatever. But in Waterstones, you know, they just they've made a decision. We just can't do that. Yeah. 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 I think that's and there's this, in, right. there's, inc there, there's this increasing divergence of standards you know on one on the one hand some people are taking this incredibly seriously did i talk about the apple store yeah in the last episode? yeah yes yeah very you know, super serious in the so, store but so not I was, so serious outside yeah yeah 100 and and someone i was talking to this morning said you know it's the gold standard you know of uh, or it was maybe you on the podcast i can't remember um but it's the gold standard of coronavirus um covid19 protection and then you go outside and you may as well forget all the masks that you just wore because everyone's coughing all over you and drinking 30 pints i mean what the hell you know yeah. bonkers. anyway let's let's consider the digital community do you not think that there's an opportunity to build digital communities that have the different kinds of you know connections yeah, I think that I think you can, but it just takes a bit of work of thought. And I think the instant the instant thought is that it isn't possible and that, you know, that it doesn't work unless it's live or whatever. But I think it's looking at things in different ways. So, you know, you mentioned that forum. I mean, I've got a forum which is on um, discourse, which I really like how they've created their forum, been around for a long time. It's got quite a nice look and feel. I mean, that's great for, get, get, for specific. Give me um, the lowdown on. Give me the lowdown on because I've seen this mentioned a few times, probably in the context of that that uh, I was showing you called yes. playgroup. Discourse and discord are two different things. Yeah, yeah. So discourse is a forum tool. Um, I can't remember the okay. guy who created it now. Uh, Jeff. Uh, anyway, he's a really cool guy. Jeff Atwood, I think his name actually might be. If I remember rightly. Um, oh and yeah, I know Jeff Atwood. Yeah, I think he's, he's got some really strong opinions about Markdown that yeah. are different to John Gruber's opinions. And I think that in that regard, Jeff Atwood was a bit of a dick, actually, um, because it was like it's not it's it's John Gruber's language. He should be allowed to do what he wants with it. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it a language? It's a markup. You know? But I think so. Yeah, I think I know um, Jeff Atwood. Because does he go under this Twitter name of Coding, Coding Horror? Horror? Yeah. So I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty Coding sure he Horror. must be in charge of discourse. So Discourse is a forum software, basically, but it's nice. It has some nice functionality. You can put things into categories. It looks good. It's very powerful. You know, you people run a lot of the support sites will use that now from various, you know, companies and organizations because it's just not, it works. It's very nice. Um, so I set one of them up as a space in particular to capture sort of, you know, questions and a question and answer space that's what i think a forum is about really it might turn into a bit of a knowledge base yeah. you know that's the other thing it can become is a bit of a knowledge base if it's got good search and you can organize things in a neat way and i think that's the power of a forum but it's that becomes like um 
it's less of a chat space. But obviously, Discord is is more like a is like a Slack. So it's a, a live uh, um, and asynchronous chat space. So you can have live conversations through yeah. video and whatever, or audio, and you can also just do chat in channels. So you could have discourse hosted for you for a hundred dollars a month, for from a hundred dollars a month. But you can also install it from GitHub. Yeah, hundred um, percent free, open source forum software forever. Um, and if you run an open source project, which you do, don't you? Because um, yep. Node Noggin is open source. Yeah, yeah. You could have free hosting um, because they support that. Um, oh, which I think is okay. Because I've actually nice. I, okay, that's yeah, interesting. Because I'm running on a server. It says, do you run an do you cool. run an open source project? Apply for free hosting. Oh, so I will apply for that because I'm running on a server that I was considering not continuing to run because it wasn't getting much traction and much use, and it was costing me a bit of money each month. So, I mean, That's looking cool. at the stats, over 5.7 million posts created and 343 million page views. It's really nice. In June, in in June, that was just in June. Holy yeah. shit! That, I thought that that was like from the beginning, but I mean. That's un that's unreal. Yeah, loads Jeez. of companies use um, it. Yeah, so explain to me then. It says integrations, Slack, Patreon. Oh, for anybody who um, is new to the show or repeat listeners, Patreon. That's P A T R E O N. Patreon. Patreon dot com slash Proctobot. P R O C T E R B O T. That that's where you have to go to support Adam's um, swimming pool and his TV habit now. Um, so there you go, patreon.com slash Proctobot. But Patreon is supported as an integration. Um, what does yeah, that mean? Yeah, I think I haven't got many integrations, but I suspect that lots of them, um, I have integrations where if I write, so for one of the integrations I do have is where if I write a blog post, it will automatically create a forum discussion for that post. And then I have um, the, the forum discussion embedded as comments. Whoa. So instead of nice. using WordPress's comments, I use the discourse forum as the place for the comments. So that's nice. I like that's that. That's actually sweet. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. Yeah. So it's little things uh, like that, you know. And have you integrated Slack? No. So I'm for my for my project, I'm using Discord for the chat space, primarily because of that cost issue with Slack. Um, Okay, so, so you, you just... Oh, Discord, Discord. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the internet and I haven't, is doing its thing. And I haven't... I don't think I've added any Discord integration yet to Discourse. Right. Okay, so um, Ben from uh, from Playgroup, which I just think looks really nice. It does look nice. Um, said, um, I love what you're doing with the School of Design. I always love when people say that's really nice. Um, the pricing is just for the community creator because my first glance at it was, okay, this pricing looks really cheap. And I thought, this doesn't look that expensive. It was like $19 a month or something. Um, in fact, just to be accurate, I will I will find out. The pricing was, just so you know, there's a free tier for Playgroup, um, but then there's like a paid tier, which has something, some kind of integrations or something. Mm -hmm. And I presume based on our conversation around integrations um, or it, one, one integration and one widget, I don't know what a widget is, um, but the starter for individuals and companies with small communities, which 
to me sounds like the school of design yeah is 19 dollars a month so you would get unlimited members one admin account five gigs of storage which isn't as as much as all that to be honest with you no. um, a custom domain so i could have playgroup dot the school of design.com yeah um, bulk importer for users and content i probably wouldn't use that um, one integration and one widget i don't know what a widget is but the integration he explained earlier to me he said okay just to be clear um, because I, I sent him a message saying you know this looks really interesting and it looked a bit visually it looked a bit like slack to me yeah um, because it has channels and it has member profiles all those kinds of things and he said um there's no message caps it's all as described on the pricing page because my biggest concern was message caps because i thought you know we are going to run into the ten thousand message limit in slack and you probably would too yeah. um and then you start losing incredibly valuable stuff um he said in, in comparison to slack it's important to keep in mind that playgroup is asynchronous yeah okay so it's not real-time messaging um, it's more like an old-school message board which actually for me thought yeah it sounds even cooler because I kind of like old-school message yeah, boards um, and he said that's intentional though and you can complement it with real-time um, so you could connect uh, slack and telegram integrations which for me was like boom because I could imagine I probably would use slack with that because you want people who are learning with you to understand what slack is um and, and it's it's a great tool slack as well yeah yeah um, and it's what most studios use right yeah but it also because of the telegram integration i thought maybe for me it would be better to say to new students at the school of design you need to download this app called telegram we're going to use it for kind of micro messages and micro content on the go because at the minute there's this kind of my whatsapp which is which was very personal with family groups and things like that is now becoming a teaching tool. Sure. Um, and I think it would be better to use a different um, app for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Just, yeah. just for just for mental division. And also, know. WhatsApp's owned by Facebook, so you know, it's worth picking something what's, else you can. What, what's wrong with that? Well, the just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. Well, you know the story. You know the story. The original owners like left, didn't they? They left Facebook in disgust because oh, man. because you and then went all in there. <laughs> yeah, so Telegram's good. I've used Telegram for some in. stuff. What about Rocket yeah, Chat so, and things? Um, There's other ones in there because I was looking at Rocket Chat at one point. Jeez, I don't even know what Rocket Chat is. So the main, um, the main, the yeah. I mean, so in terms of that. It's about the it's about the real time chat. So we obviously we use Slack predominantly, like at Winchester School of Art, for the game students. And I and I, the course budget pays for that to exist because the archive is so important. So we pay. Whoa! Yeah. How much do you pay for that then? We get a massive education discount. So there's so we we negotiated a number of years ago a special discount with Slack, um, and okay. the good thing about Slack is that it does monitor the number of users so it's not it's active users so when students go off in the summer the, my pricing goes down because they're not on it you know uh, and if alumni are okay. less connected then they aren't on it so it, it, the pricing is not as horrendous as it would be if it was a full commercial cost and it certainly isn't as bad as if it counted the students as always active but i need the archive so i you know and because it's using all the studios you know, it's something the students need to get their heads around. Um, now, I'm not sure where yeah, we're going to go exactly. with that because obviously we've got Microsoft That's... Teams 
that provides yeah, a very similar Yeah, that's why I wouldn't get function. rid of... Yeah, I, it, it may well do, but that's why I wouldn't get rid of it. And we're having this debate just now. Um, and for me, it's like, look, if you really want students to understand what it's like to go out into the real world, you have to change your teaching to reflect what's actually being used in the real world. And, you know, there's a, there's a politics to that. You know, there's some people who are like, oh, don't you can't use that because, you know, you just told me your opinions on WhatsApp um, because it's owned by Facebook. And, you know, you're entitled to your opinion there and I have the same opinions as well. Um, but, you know, Slack versus Discord, you know, uh, I, I guarantee you going into any studio, they're not using Discord, um, you know. No, Discord is predominantly... Yeah. i surprised. No, no, they're not. Discord is being used predominantly by game communities. Um, yeah. And I do know of some games yeah. courses that have started to use Discord and the students uh, like it. But my issue with that is that um, it doesn't have a separation. So I wouldn't pick Discord because that's where they go and they chat about playing games and whatever. What I've set up in Slack is a, yeah. it's a, and this is the thing, Slack is introduced as a professional community for the studios within the games course. And this is where we talk about the projects. This is where we post ephemeral material that relates to the projects. This is where we put the, you know, the current news of the week that relates to games for understanding and making games it's not the place where we just have a chat so it's so the students really see that as a difference so for me although discord would emulate some of that but again the thing with discord is on the free version the the file size limit is really really small in terms of like how big a single okay. file can be uploaded so i tried over the like before the lockdown to get basically get all my family off whatsapp and onto a discord and said, come on, let's all go on a Discord, right. then we're not on WhatsApp, it's going to, you know, it's better for us, safer, blah, 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 you know. And first, <laughs> it didn't work, because it was instantly, I can't upload it. Why, why is it safer? Because it's not owned by Facebook. So they're not hoovering, uh, hoovering yeah, okay. up the data. <laughs> yeah, <cool>. Okay. <laughs> so I thought for one second you were meaning something worse than that, but okay, no. yeah. So I just want to know, but it's like, if we're going to share family photos and videos and things... Like, I'd rather try and yeah. encourage everyone to share it somewhere where I know that we're not being spied on, right? Now, that is me trying to force my opinion on the, the rest of the family. And so a few got on there, yeah. some didn't join, and then within like a couple of days, like Samantha was like, I tried to upload a video that's two megabytes, it won't go. I'm going back to WhatsApp. <laughs> I was like, oh, forget yeah, it. I can imagine. So the free version of Discord is, um, once you start looking into it, because I've got Discord for my own community around Node Noggin, the costs still start to get escalate quite quickly you know so I'm, I'm again i'm sort of toying around but that's why i've been looking at other open source things like rocket mail uh, rocket chat and that kind of stuff to see whether i could do something else that is um okay. that, that provide i could run you know myself but uh, you know I've to, that's a sort of thing to think about i mean i'm definitely going to talk to discourse about the um open source free hosting because i didn't i don't know why i didn't know that i could do that so yeah, it says right at the bottom there. Yeah, um, check that out. You know, um, actually, I was talking to Connor from Rome Research yesterday as well. Um, about no way. My, um, I was indeed. Yeah. Well, I messaged him and said, "Look, I, you know, what's the de what's the score here? Because I've been charged um, yes. one hundred and sixty-five dollars, and I cancelled my trial." And you know, he was. I mean, you have to say he was a bit. Of a, he was a gentleman. He said, "You know." Um, don't worry they're just really busy and i mean you know i'm kind of hopeful that this is going to be okay because uh, i last night i was filling in a chargeback form 
uh, with a bank because sure. you know I just can't afford 135 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, "I'm more disappointed that you would want to cancel it than worrying about refunding, sort of thing." And I said, "It's not that I have anything wrong with it. It's just that this kind of software is not the sort of software I'd want to spend my own money on um, because it feels like it's a work-related thing." Um, and certainly in the context of, say, Belfast School of Art, I mean, you know, I, I am starting to get a little bit annoyed about what we spend our own money on. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's yeah, a, a wide, there's a wider contextual issue because, I mean, I watched a thing the other day on the news, um, it was about two or three days ago, about um, lack of iPads, lack of laptops in schools and kids who, are the, the digital divide between kids who have laptops and iPads and tablets, etc., yes. and are able to learn through the lockdown and kids who don't and the government talking about you know don't worry we're going to give everyone a laptop and we're going to give them all you know blah 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 which is not actually true because you know you talk to any teachers and they're like that's just not true and then what's happening is exactly the same as the ppe thing where like everybody started making ppe and everybody started 3d printing like crazy and people are now going and digging out their old computers they're wiping them down they're erasing everything other people are volunteering and i've got nothing wrong with that right but uh, which is essentially a form of socialism in the sense that we're all helping each other out sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but yet we are actually being run by a country that is incredibly conservative and the opposite of that i mean these things should either be paid for by the government or not i mean but there's an awful lot of lies going around yeah that is oh tricky, yeah we're going to give everybody a, a laptop and, a, and what have you and that potentially is something that could affect our students. I'd like to think that it wouldn't because most of them are doing digital subjects. Yeah, but I think that's the thing is when, you know, if we're talking about getting those, those students can't be on campus that much. And so we have to build that community around shared experiences that revolve around an online platform or platforms. Yeah. They've yeah. got to be able to get online, you know, with something. And I think that the... Um, you know, I think there is a misunderstanding that everyone, if they've got a mobile phone, they're online, but it's not the same. Yeah. You know, it's like they yeah. need they need a screen, they need probably a laptop, you know, to yeah. get the most out of these things, or at least a tablet, you know, um, and some of those things are quite expensive. And yes, some courses like mine, yours, maybe digital advertising design, those kind of programs tend to, tend to strongly require students to come with a decent enough machine but it does not, it's not as high spec as the machines we'd have on campus, obviously, those kind of things. No. But and, they are connected, also, at least. Yeah, and we've also always made, I mean, we, I think, when we first started the Interaction Design course at Belfast School of Art, we made a big mistake by buying 24 Macs, which was a complete waste of money. Um, but, I mean, we've, we've always maintained that we need at least eight. Sure. Um, because we always have students who say things like, you know, I can't prototype using Keynote to do little micro interactions because I have a PC. Yeah. Um, and, you know, or other students who, I mean, a lot of this as well is that students might not necessarily want to say to you, I don't have, a, you know, I don't have a laptop or I don't have access to the Internet because that, you know, that's kind of perhaps a bit embarrassing. Yeah. Um, you know, and so there's there's all these aspects, too. I mean, what is your plan for for moving forward with Winchester then? You, you, you can't have that much studio connection. So what are you going to use? So, I mean, we're going to continue to use Slack as our predominant sort of uh, ace, you know, real time uh, messaging platform. So that's, a, you know, that's for okay. like I said, for sharing ephemeral material. We're going to probably okay. uh, we're going to flip quite a lot of the classrooms. So 
stuff where there's a, a where there was a lecture i'm going to split those up into 15 minute videos that need to be watched like throughout the week um and then then okay. do some sort of seminar based on that content where necessary you know man that might be in the studio socially distanced or it might be over a live how's that how's that go on yeah how's that working with the videos and stuff then are you doing the videos or yeah so we're I gonna mean, have you re recorded these videos already or no not yet some one some of my staff have started doing like trying some stuff out i'm gonna i won't be able to do it until september to be honest um and some of it okay. i some of it i suspect i will end up doing it during the term just because i just will run out of time so i'm gonna have to work that out you know appropriately but the idea is i'll record them using panopto which is a university system yeah you know and then what break. you would go into you would you would go into the university well so they've set so there's a few things they've done they've set up a room there's a room already set up i think in in one of the campuses for you to be able to go and record lectures and things um i might not right. do that i might just go into my office if i can and use that space because i've got a good setup i've got mics i've got lights you know can uh, you panopto in there yeah Okay. Yeah, I mean, so I've never used Panopto. So. It's just an app, basically, that just captures your screen. It's like sort of. Oh, um, so know. it's kind of like um, it's like any of these uh, yeah. apps that you use just to do screencasting. Basically. Yeah, basically, but it's just it's, it's it's supported by the university. You know, it's got um, it does captions automatically afterwards and stuff, uh, which right. is pretty good. You know, okay. um, and you can all and also you can even if you wanted to because I did a little video. Uh, I used OBS Open Broadcast Studio, what it was called, uh, to make my open day talk because I wanted to have picture in picture to force that on. And I just ingested the video yeah. into Panopto and then Panopto analyzed you it. Ate it. Well, no, Panopto ate it. <laughs> you, you ingest it. You well, that's what it's called. That's what you call it um, when you do yeah, it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, they could use some better language than that. You ingested the video. It makes it sound like a fucking episode of Alien or something by Ridley Scott. You know, you've got this fucking thing stuck to your face with a thing going yeah. down your throat. It ingested the video um, and spat out the subtitles. It was all good. Yeah, it came, it came out of your chest, basically. Um, yeah, I think OBS looks really interesting. I haven't had a chance to mess around with it yet. Um, I think it was you who told me to get that um, clicky thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and have you got it on your desk? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Um, you, you have to tell me what I can do with it. One second, I'm just going to go get my clicky thing. <laughs> I Actually, I'm, I'm a bit ashamed to say... There's a business card. So what, what Chris is talking about is an Elegato Stream Deck, which I got yeah. one a while ago, and I... Um, got it to do a live streams with the game students. So okay. uh, we've done a few and it makes it really easy to switch between inputs and stuff. So I need to just get this bad boy plugged in because it does look really good. But the thing is, I've been so busy building content for the library and stuff that I haven't had a chance. Um, and today I am completing an application for a Substack fellowship, um, oh, yeah. which is due by one o'clock tonight. So I'm applying for a Substack fellowship. Nice. Um, yeah, they've got a really good fellowship scheme where you will get um, a seat. One senior fellow will get a hundred thousand dollar grant and then four fellows will get a twenty five thousand dollar advance. Um, so essentially what that means is that if somebody um, signs up to your newsletter um, and pays you, let's say, a hundred dollars um, for the year, they'll 
they'll take that money until they hit the 25,000. Okay. So, so it's like a publishing uh, deal. It's not bad. Um, and for me, and it's actually the barrier to entry is very low. It's a Google Doc. Um, and it's just like, you know, put some links in of websites that you've done uh, that paint a picture of you. And give us five websites, four, three to five websites that show examples of writing that you're proud of. Um, you know, what's your Substack address? I set one up last night, I think. Uh, well, I didn't set it up last night. I set it up um, a few weeks ago, but I actually, in the middle of June, but I actually started really using it last night. Um, and I tweeted about it this morning, but the, you wouldn't know because you're not on Twitter, but um, I tweeted about it this morning. We've got like 15 people signed up to the newsletter, but I'm going to import my other newsletter people oh so am i oh okay so i'll well, i don't need to do anything because i like your newsletter no, okay you, you'll get it and and the first um issue uh if i try and pull it up it's um designing hang on it's uh the url because you can only use a substack url is designing design.substack.com um and basically um what the hell um I go to the top one um, just basically says that design um, not you know I've talked 10,000 designers and non-designers about the importance of design not as an afterthought but as the beating heart of every successful business and design is the differentiator that sets apart an increasing number of the world's leading businesses and it's not that's not just my opinion it's the markets too and then I talk a little bit about Apple becoming the world's first one and a half trillion dollar company um, and yeah, across a career spanning three decades, uh, working for companies large like Electronic Arts and small like the School of Design, the answer to one question still eludes me, what is design, right? Cool. It's, uh, it's a complicated answer. You know, you could give a really quick answer, but you know, I've yet to hear a really good definition of what design actually is. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, so the Substack so, thing will send out a newsletter now on, a, on the Sunday instead of the other... Or... No, 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 no. There's going to be two newsletters. I'm, I'm debating all of this, and it would be useful to get your thoughts at some point. Um, the the Sunday evening newsletter, the periodical, which I might change the name of because I think periodical's a bit shit. It doesn't really tell you what it is. I mean, yeah, um, that's what I called my newsletter, but I never send it. So, <laughs> oh, well, there you go. So it's infrequent then. Um, well, you know, the periodical is like was always intended to be three tiny things I found this week. You know, it was like a little. If you don't go to the blog, um, it's meant to be like three bits of inspiration. Yeah. Whereas the Substat newsletter um, is way more substantial than that. So, for example, the first big article I'm writing is called The Great Unbundling. Um, and it's about bundle economics. So this Substack um, one is more going to be your writing, whereas the periodical at the moment is like a few, it's a little bit from you just saying what's been happening and then a few links, which I like because I like that because I'm like, oh, these are cool things that Chris has found this week. Yeah, and the I, problem with, it, with, with the, the, the MailChimp newsletter is that the, the first episode or the first issue of the newsletter was quite short. It was like two paragraphs. Uh, three things, two paragraphs, so sort of six paragraphs, right? And then... By episode five or issue five, I was like, you know, 10 paragraphs on Mighty Networks. And I was starting to think, yeah, this isn't really what I had envisaged for this. What I was envisaging for this was something that was short, snackable, you know, just if you're stuck for inspiration, here's some stuff that's been happening yeah. on the Internet. Uh, whereas the Substack newsletter is more meaty. It's more kind of like Fair you know, strategy, uh, business strategy and design. And why, so let's say, okay, because I think, I mean, I think this connects to community. I know we're going to hit our it, hour. It, we're going to hit it, our it, hour it, soon. But the, so the thing does, is, 
because it does connect to community in a bit because yeah. the, one of the things that I want to do with the newsletter is um, it's free at the minute, but eventually I'd like to have some kind of paid aspect to it, um, partly just to explore um, different channels and paid. Uh, you know, I've written for magazines before and I'm interested to explore what it's like to write for yourself and make yeah. money yourself. Yeah. Um, but I also see it as being something that goes to anyone who's in the School of Design community. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah. So, that, I mean, there's a couple of things with that. Obviously, I think newsletters are really good at building community if you if they're frequent and yeah. they are easy to digest, that kind of stuff. You know, I've got a bunch that I listen to uh, read more than others. Um, yeah. But there's one that I get from Doug Belshaw, who does um, two editions, basically. And because I'm a supporter, I get the supporters edition, which is on a Sunday. But actually... Okay. And I've, but I get I think I'm subscribed to the regular edition as well for whatever reason. Um, and I think the main difference seems to be is that there's a bit more in the regular one. It's just like here's the things I've been looking at this week. Okay. And then in the supporters edition, his commentary is embedded in that. I think I could you could still probably get that content somewhere for free, but I okay. you get it in your inbox just for being a supporter, you know. Um, and I really like that because that kind of it's it's a kind of blending of what you're talking about there in terms of like, you've got one that's the things I found this week. And then there's a one that's a bigger piece, which is more of the writing. And he tend he does, he sort of cut back on his writing actually quite a bit, which I don't mind. Um, and it's more a commentary on those things, but it sounds like a similar sort of setup, but I don't know. I think is he using MailChimp? Can't remember what he's using. Um, but yeah, I mean, I use a one called Sendy, which is an open source um, host drone set up using i think it charges you on aws rather than uh mailchimp and whatever they charge you obviously off their own thing yeah i, I need to take a look at um sorry i'm just one second i'm tr i'm sending messages on my phone to say please stop playing the guitar because i don't know if you can hear it but i can certainly hear it oh i can't um, hear it i couldn't hear it a lot it. of like singing and shit going on um, I think uh, I can hear Evie shouting about something, so I'm sure that'll be on the podcast. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? We we're talking about the newsletter. We we're talking about writing, and we we're talking about community. And yeah, I think the thing with Substack is it's kind of designed as a in-depth commentary type stuff. And for me, one of the things that you know I'm, I'm really thinking a lot about this this week is what do I want the School of Design to be? Do I want it to be how to do UI and how to do UX? And the answer to that is not, is not really. Um, and so I have to force it in the, not force it, I have to nudge it in the direction of being something that's more substantial. Because yep. one of the problems I have at the minute in the School of Design is I've got some people who are learning, say, to be an illustrator or a digital uh, iconographer or whatever, and some people who are learning a little bit of UX and UI because they have a bigger vision to build a startup. And then I have other people who are, you know, writing quite lengthy, pretty um, thought-provoking pieces about design. Yeah. And those are very different audiences. Um, and for me, the kind of audience I'd like to get are people who are probably more on the, you know, someone who would welcome getting a newsletter three or four times a week. Yeah. I mean, I like some meaty content. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do like those as well. I can't. I know. I need to sort of go through and work out because I get a lot of different newsletters. I don't think that I need to organise them. To be honest, I think my e my email predominantly that isn't work related probably should just be newsletters because I don't really use email. To you know, yeah. And that you would haven't be nice. considered signing up for Hey.com? No, 
because I, it's another monthly cost. Do you know what I mean? It's like I got so many monthly costs. I should be like looking oh, to reduce sorry. them. I forgot Sky. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, thing is, Hay is really, really quite. I mean, it's very opinionated. The design. And there's a lot of jaunty angles and kind of illustrated things, which are not particularly my cup of tea. Um, but I do appreciate the fact that it has a very particular aesthetic. Um, and it's, you know, it's got an opinion as far as design goes. Um, but it, what's really nice about it is, you know, when a newsletter comes in, it says, is this a newsletter? And, you know, you say yes, and it goes into the feed. And then you scroll through your feed and it's just like reading a paper, basically. Okay. Whereas in email, you would have to see that, click on it and open it. Whereas by putting it into a feed, it's almost like a scroll where you'll see the top, the top, the top, the top. And then you click on a button and it will expand. And actually, as a means of interacting with email newsletters, it's a really nice piece of design. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds fair. I mean, to be honest, when you say that, what I'd probably try and do, because I'm... I'm crazy like that is i'd probably try and find the rss feeds for all these newsletters and put them into net newswire but <laughs> because it would do a similar thing and not cost me anything but um yeah that's a bit of a nerdy approach um <laughs> but i suspect also though that for some of those newsletters there might not be a feed oh, yeah. um, because some of them are paid newsletters or you know is there going to be a feed for the periodical from the school of design the uh, yeah if it's on mailchimp yeah it should be Okay, all right. Then. Yeah, I mean, I might have a look at that because I know that I've talked to, um, uh, oh, I forgot, Brent Simmons, who's made Net News Wire on, I think they've got a Slack where they just have chats. And there was some conversations okay. on there about doing, like, how would you have a paid, or could you get, a, how can you get a paid RSS feed into Net News Wire? I mean, it is a bit of a, okay. you know, hey, obviously you pay the money and it's going to sort that problem out for you. You know, yeah. I just, uh, I just hate, I don't, my email, I mean, I turn all the badges off on my email because my email, like, if I open up Mac Mail, I have, hang on, oh, it's updating, 50,338 unread emails. Oh, my word. That's, I couldn't do that. I'm that's, sitting around about 140 or something. That's my Mac um, Mail, right? So that's, uh, and now I'll tell you my work one. I don't even want to know. So work, so work is only... 18,378 unread emails. Okay. Before we I hate email. It's crazy. It's crazy. I love email as the thing. Um, Before we get to the end of the... We've got about five minutes to go uh, to stick to our hour. Um, Have you heard of Mighty Networks? No. Tell me about Mighty Uh, Networks. Was it on your your newsletter? It was actually. It was about two two weeks ago. Okay. Um, and I really, I really think that it's going to be important, um, or maybe not, because actually the um, the 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 playgroup thing, you know, there's a lot of overlap with these tools. Um, but okay, so, so while you're looking up, how do people sign up for your newsletter? Uh, you go to. I'm a bit shit at it, to be honest with you. Um, you go to Mailchimp. Um, and it isn't even a proper Mailchimp address. I, I need. Don't don't worry about it. Um, okay. I'll, next I'll t- next week, Chris will tell us the, the actual thing. Because it's funny you say I went. I because I was looking for one of your articles where you look at on Mighty Networks. I was looking for one of your articles and that guy who wrote about um, books being uh, useless or whatever it was. Andy Matushek. Yeah, yeah. Which is he was. Yeah. It, and he had some good articles because I was reading up some stuff around education and. Um, 
It took me a while to find the, the list of all your newsletters, but I did find so, it on MailChimp so, somewhere. So one thing that you can do is when you go to this page, it says past issues, okay? Um, and this is where I really do believe in, you know, uh, everything is a prototype. You learn as you go. Actually, when I open this up, I realize that I'm getting campaigns wrong because when it, when it says, you know, see the email campaign archive, I've got three tiny books newsletters in here and then six um, issues of the periodical. Yeah, I noticed so that the these other are, day. These are, these are two totally different businesses with totally different voice and tone and everything, right? And I'm like, shit, shit, shit. That's not what I intended to do. So there's another part of me is thinking that probably after issue eight, I'm going to sort of regroup and say, right, folks, we've managed to get rid of a bunch of people off the mailing list. Um, we're going to regroup. It's going to be about digital product design pretty much. Um, because one of the things I'm struggling with at the minute is like, you know, so issue one was um, brainstorming. It was idea generation was the first thing. Second thing was Andy Matushek about books are broken. Yeah. Um, and the third thing was about um, remote working being like an idea virus. And then the next one was um, Indie Hackers, which I think is pretty interesting as a community. And the next one was about Super Organizers, which is a bundle um, at Substack. And then the next one was about idea generation. And then the next one, I'm not going to go through all of these, we'll just take three. The next one's like a love letter to the early web. It's like really early yeah, websites. Like it was quite nice. Um, and then a bit about analytics, which is Paul Jarvis's um, Fathom Analytics Suite. And then another episode from Everything, which was by Nation, sorry, Nathan Bashez. Um, it was an email. Uh, it was about Hey, the newsletter, Hey, um, the email client, Hey. Um, so there's a variety of things. I suppose it's all related to design and, you know, I'm sort of finding my way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Mighty when Networks. I, when, I, when I went, so yeah, but I'll just say, when so, I went to the page, when I went to the page and it said, um, you know, here's our archive and I saw stuff from tiny books. I thought, shit, what the fuck's that doing in there? No idea what I'm doing basically. Oh, um, Mighty Networks I had written about in episode four, which I said, um, it really fascinates me. I'm actually paying 30 quid to try it out at the minute. I've got nobody in the network, um, but it's like a social network and it's your social network. Okay. Okay. So you could have your social network. You could put project work in there. You could have conversations. The, it, the students could have their own profile pages. Um, it, all these kinds of things. It looks really interesting. And one of the things I said was, you know, whilst I enjoy curating an email newsletter, the idea of nurturing a network, cultivating it daily and helping others is really interesting and potentially transformative for a business. If you send a newsletter to somebody once a week, it's quite different to them being in a community. Yeah. And I think that you should take a look at Mighty Networks because uh, just it looks interesting to me. Uh, what I was saying was you'll be able to do everything with this one tool. So you'll be able to build for memberships for the community. You'll be able to charge for courses if you want to, to do courses. And you'll be able to have a constant conversation with your customers. That to me seems like a really great uh, deal. The, the problem is how do you get all these things to fit together? Because yeah. for example, on on uh, Jack Butcher's Visualized Value, which is a community I'm part of a little bit, I'm not there active as much as I should be, um, but he has a mighty network and he also has a Slack group. Yeah. And a lot of people, myself included, are in the Slack group chatting away 
and then we never even go and check the MADI network. And essentially, all that's been used is to charge us. You know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing with a lot of this stuff, and I think that's the trick with the community stuff is you got to pick a tool that does most of the things you want to do and stick with it and keep on it. You know, if and if, but you also need to evaluate those tools before you stick. You know, so yeah. there's a bunch of other. You know, I've moved Discord, like I said, is what I'm using at the moment for my own project. Yeah. Uh, and Slack, what I've been using with games, but you know that took a lot of work. But I, but I did try out like four or five different other tools before I sort of said, oh, okay, I stick with Discord. So it's just, is it easy to get up and running? Can people sign up easy? You know, the, yeah. you know, in that sense, is it is it going to work for the space that that I want to be in? One hundred percent. There was there was a good article this morning I was reading, which was actually on the Ghost website, where it was like, you know here's what it costs to host an email newsletter at ghost and here's what it costs at substack and you know the answer was at ghost it's very cheap and over at substack it's uh 10 of all your income right um but the flip side of it to me and i probably will write about this does this qualify as design i don't know um was that with substack it's really quick you're up and running and everything's good to go maybe it's the same with ghost i, I haven't tried it but unless you actually try these things out you don't really know if they work or not yeah, and the other problem, the other problem I have as well, which is why I haven't really gone big time to to advertise, join the community at the School of Design, and this is what we're going to do, um, is that, you know, maybe Mighty Networks would be better. In which case, if we think that's better, then I think we should all have the conversation there. Yeah, you shouldn't have fragmented conversations. That's the thing. The only thing that's interesting about yeah, I don't. I- I just I was thinking the interesting thing about Slack at the moment. I'm, I'm I think it's just for me it's too cost prohibitive, really in the long run. But um, as because I'm not a company in that sense, and the students, you yeah. know, but we get a good discount with the education thing. But they are doing something where you can now have uh, you can connect the Slacks together, so you can have a channel that is across Slacks, which is a recent thing they've done oh. in the last year. So there was a whole article about how Slack. So, you know, Microsoft Teams has seen a massive increase of their users because they built this stack of tools and Slack is now building like a vertical where you can basically connect the Slacks together in, in, in a particular way. So you can join um, and have cross, com- so companies can have cross conversations. And that sounded really interesting, which I thought, you know, but that's, so again, it doesn't really, it's not what I need. But I did yeah. think, wow, it's kind of it, when and when you're in the when you are a designer or or um, a maker, where like we know Slack's being used everywhere, that yeah. if you can if those things can be connected together, then the barrier is easy, and you're just like, well, I'm just on all of them, and whoever the owner is of those Slacks pays for me to be on there, then you know. Yeah, that that, that that's a problem, and we need to kind of wrap up now. But we're at an hour and two minutes. But that's a problem for me as somebody who's trying to to an experiment to run a design school. Um, which is, you know, I'm not rolling in money at the minute. Um, you know, I'm on a half-time salary and I'm spending, you know, I'm about to spend 6000 plus to hire Jasmine yeah, as yeah. an employee. Um, and that's going to cost me a lot of money. Hopefully it will be worth it. Um, but, you know, I can't just go and spend a ton of money on Slack. No, exactly. And the other problem I have as well is that Slack and, and all of these tools, to be fair, are geared up for when you say you're an academic, um, what they think is like you work in a big institution with a thousand people. Yes. Uh, and if I said, well, I actually run a school of design, you can have a look at the website and you can see the library and you can see all that stuff. You know, there's plenty of evidence that I run a school of design. 
okay and there's plenty of testimonials from people saying great teaching etc but there's no staff card no but you know what maybe we should end on that note i should get a staff card made i just make one just do it not one up in photoshop <laughs> yeah fuck it yeah absolutely the school of design just put my face on there just made up barcode <laughs> Send it into Slack. Oh, let's see if Chris. Yes. Let's see if Chris can get a free yeah. Slack <laughs> with a dodgy, faked-up card. Man, you know, yeah, so here, so here, I'll give you. This is the this is the story to end the story because we get serious. And I look like so. I remember when I, I went to college in, in Portsmouth. It's Portsmouth Art School. Uh-huh. Just bright, just at the same time, sort of merging with the University of Portsmouth. And so I was what sixteen or something like that. And you get an NUS card, obviously. Uh-huh. The NUS yeah. card was like basically at that point was used as ID. So I yeah. so I got a scalpel, fixed my <laughs> fixed my date of birth, and was able to go to all the pubs yeah. that all the other students were going to. So yeah. I remember, I remember.